This message is brought to you by Twelve Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the message for week two of the Live Sense series. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. So glad you're with us today on week two of Live Sent. Now, here's my question for you. Have you been keeping up on the post-Super Bowl NFL news coming out? Because here's, here's the most recent. Tom Brady of the Patriots is going to become the quarterback for the New York Giants. Check this out. I don't know, but I mean, that just blows my mind, but that's his arch rival. Go back to 2008, 2012. Don't know if you remember this, but the Giants played the Patriots, and Eli Manning of the Giants uh, took down the Patriots. In fact, the Giants were the only team that the Patriots don't, you know, know what to do with. Well, then with Eli Manning leaving, uh, the Giants, a great offer, huge contract, was offered to Brady and he took it. So he's going to wear, I mean, a New York Giants jersey on Brady. That like blows my mind. An arch rival. Now, of course, none of that's true uh, of what I just said. I just, I just made all that up. Um, that's uh, fake news uh, at its best. But it, but it would be scandalous, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be terrifically scandalous. And that just gives you an idea of how scandalous it was when the Pharisee Saul became the Apostle Paul and joined his arch rivals, the Christians. I mean, that's how messed up it was back in the time of the New Testament. So, so Saul, the Pharisee, is, is, is playing for the Jews. And he was like the Tom Brady of the Jews. I'm not assigning anybody to anything specific. I'm just illustrating here. And then, and, and then on the road to Damascus, Jesus came to, to Saul and revealed who he really was, that he was the Messiah. And all this time, uh, Saul has been pushing against and, and fighting against Jesus and the Christians and, 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 and putting them in prison and threatening their lives and supporting, taking their lives. And, and now he comes into the kingdom. He's wearing a Jesus jersey. Now he's like one of the Christians and he, he like becomes a quarterback. He becomes the apostle Paul. And what God was doing is, is God was moving him along a pattern, a process that he wants for all of us. It begins with rescue. Say it with me. It begins with what? Yeah, he wants to rescue you like he, he did Paul on the road to Damascus. He wants to restore you and rescue you from sin, bring you into relationship with him. And then he wants to transform. Say it with me. He wants to what? Transform. Yeah, and so as he transforms your life. But then what he wants to do next is to send you to what? send you. So it's rescue and transform and send. In that journey, God has taken us all on that journey. He wants to rescue, he's transforming, he's going to send you. And so live sent. 
It's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 17. We left off with this scripture. Father, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them. As you have sent me into the world, I have what church? Sent them. That's us, his disciples, into the world. And so Paul would tell us, look, I, I now live sent. You ready? And when you live sent, you join God's bigger why and God's bigger what. Those are the two challenges. You join God's bigger why and God's bigger what. So let's look at it in your notes. If you're kind of fill in the blank person, follow along, jot down. Number one, live for a bigger why. Two challenges. The first one is live for a bigger what, church? Oh yeah, live for a bigger why. Join Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in front of us. God's saying it to us together as a church. We're gonna re-up. Then you join, you follow Jesus. You wear his jersey. You play for him. You join the bigger why. And our why? God's been refining, if not revolutionizing it. I'll put it on the screen. It's in your notes. It's part of what God's called us to as a church. Because of the rescuing hand of Jesus, we pursue personal transformation one life at a time. Because of the rescuing hand of Jesus, we pursue personal transformation one life at a time. Let's go into Acts chapter 9. We left off with Paul in the book of Acts last weekend. It's on page 1,100 across campuses. Grab a worship center Bible right here. It's underneath your chair. Just reach down underneath your chair. Pull out the Bible. We're on page 1,100, page 1,100, Acts chapter 9, looking at verse 15. Now, by the way, this is, this is exactly the point where Paul, on the road to Damascus, in, in, in order to imprison more Christians, he, he is rescued. He encounters Jesus. And, and so Jesus reveals himself to Paul, and Paul is blinded, and and he's responding to Christ. And now Jesus is saying to Ananias, I want you to go tell Paul why I did this. It's so verse 19 of chapter 9. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man, that is Saul, who became Paul, this man Paul is now my chosen instrument to proclaim my name, Jesus, to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. In other words, join Jesus did you, Paul, I want you to join me in this. I, I want you to join me in rescuing spiritually lost people. This is now your big why. Now follow me. We're going to go to the right to chapter 20. It is about 25 years later. So just flip to the right over to chapter 20. We're over on page 1115. Now, since what we just read in chapter 9... It's been about 25 years or so. And listen to Paul, verse 22 of chapter 20. And now, compelled by the Spirit, Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Wow, that's still happening some 25 years later. And then he says, verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, say it with me, church, my only what? My only aim. Listen, my only purpose, my only why, you get it? My big why, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, has given me. And what is it? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. 25 years later, he's still with the same big why. That's what it means to follow him. You join Jesus 
in the bigger why. We have a why here. And it's for us collectively. And it's for every one of us individually. We join Jesus in the big why of rescuing people. Who are far from God but near us. 40 years ago, I mentioned last weekend that uh, I had a, a clear calling of God to, to be a pastor. It was on November 13th, 1977 at 10.55 p.m. in the evening. God used Isaiah chapter 61 to confirm that in my spirit. And God did something else in that season right around that same time. I don't get many visions, but this was one of them. And caught somewhere between uh, asleep and awake... I had a moment with God. Now, God used something familiar, which he often does. Just like in the Old Testament with, with, with Joseph, he used sheaves of grain that were bowing. Uh, with, with Pharaoh, he used seven cows. God used something familiar. And what he used in this vision was, was uh, Cedar Point Amusement Park, the fun house. See, we're from Michigan. We drive to Ohio from time to time and go have fun at the amusement park. And I love the fun house. And, and so this was a two-story fun house. And, and, and you'd go through floors of it were like tilted and then upside down room and the glass room. And, and then you'd get to the end at the second floor and, and, and then you'd get out of it by going down the spiral slide. It was kind of in a little silo and you go through the spiral slide and then it would come out on the main ground. Well, God put this, this, this fun house in my vision but made it very clear that this was a picture of life on earth and eternity. And so people were coming through the house thinking like life, this is all fun. Living anti-God, dismissing Jesus, no big deal. This world is all fun. And, and, and then when they came to the to the to the slide, I knew that it was a slide into hell. And as God revealed that in the vision, it was so, um, so overwhelming that he, he gave me a sense of his heart for people who are spiritually lost. And I was weeping in this vision and I'm at, God put me at the top of the slide. And I'm trying to stop people from going down the slide, literally sliding into hell. They don't think that's what's happening. I know that's what's happening. And I'm trying to convince them. I'm begging and pleading and weeping, making a fool of myself and glad to do it just to stop people. And, and some would just push me aside and mock and was like, what is wrong with you? And, and others would stop and listen. And I, I woke up, shook up out of this. And it was, I was unconsolable. I remember I drew the whole whole thing out and I sat with my mom I'm like I'm just I'm a wreck she says well what does it mean and I said I know God told me he said I'm supposed to be at the top of the slide my why is to be at the top of the slide 10 years later when we planted 12 stone church which is 30 years ago now it was for this church is to be at the top of the slide to rescue people because we know what's at stake and I'm saying to you that is your calling you're here wherever God has you on the map on mission God put you there on purpose that's why last week we put our little dots with our name or, or, or our initials. If you didn't do that last week, do it on the way out. Wherever God has you on the map at any moment in time, you are his witness to rescue. You're at the top of the slide. By the way, something kind of cool for, for me in all this is, is a few years ago, a 12-stoner who became a dear friend, grew up in Ohio, went to Cedar Point, and, and found in her family photos a picture of the funhouse and she gave me a picture of it here here it is this is an actual picture of the funhouse if you if you look to the right you see the the white the funhouse in fact the red letters up there is kind of fun is upside down and backwards but it says funhouse and then those silos right there which is hard to tell you wouldn't know but those are the three slides that you have to slide in fact I, I highlighted it in yellow so you know what I'm talking about that that you you slide down from the inside the spiral slide and then out 
And I have that sitting on my, uh, in my office as a constant reminder to my why is to be at the top of the slide and rescue people. Hey, that's why we do multi-campus. That's why we expand campus. Three years ago, we launched the five campuses. And the point of that is because we, we stand at the top of the slide. That's what every campus is designed to do. And, and the goal over the, the, the next five years, we're three years in, is to get every one of those in 24-7 permanent space to open up doors to reach people to be at the top of the slide. And the first one we, we opened up was Brazelton, and so they have their 24-7 space. It's awesome, and God's doing great stuff out there, wonderful stories and rescuing people. Uh, then we did two and three, which is Grayson and Snellville. You might remember we brought them together uh, inside the Best Buy out in Snellville because it was so big. I mean, that opened up, and, and, and when we got a hold of that and bought that, it, it, it was like, okay, we can put both campuses, Grayson and Snellville. God's doing cool stuff out there. In fact, a couple weeks ago, the campus pastor, Trey, shared a story with me. Just this last month, since, month, since the, the, the new year. There was a backstory of it. The guy named Preston who started coming to the campus several months ago and got moving in his heart. And he was uh, baptized. And it's an awesome story. But he's bringing his girlfriend, Ashley. And Ashley, uh, Ashley was a bit more distant. Far more caught up in her career as a pharmaceutical sales rep. And agreed last month to come to the home run experience. And this late 20-something, uh, when she came, was not prepared for what God was about to do. At this home run experience, they told the story of the prodigal son and how we all, uh, in our nature, tend to walk away from God and go our own way and live our own will and then discover that the emptiness and, and the wreckage that goes with it is just real loss. But that God's love for us is so great, he sent Jesus, and he would, he, would, he would bring us back home. If we would just come to our senses, he would forgive us and restore us. Well, after that whole home run night got done, she came up to, to, to Trey, the campus pastor. In fact, I, I wrote down what, what Trey told me. She said uh, to this effect, after tonight, I've realized that I never knew what it meant to be loved or accepted by God. I've been numb toward him and chasing success first and lately thinking that checking the, off the box of attending church would be good enough for God. But now I know God is willing to rescue me. How do I do that? <laughs> and right there, they just kind of held hands. I mean, Preston and Trey and, the, and Ashley. And Trey said, well, you pray and ask. I said, I don't even know how to pray. Well, you just give it your best words. And she offered a, a, just an honest prayer of brokenness. And Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you. And would you forgive me and restore me and rescue me? And, and he did right there. And it was spectacular. And by the way, she got baptized today at the 9 o'clock service today at Snellville. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hold it, contain it. I want you to check it out. I told him, well, ship us that so that we can see it and then celebrate. So here it is. Check it out. So Ashley, I have two questions for you. Do you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin? Yes. Do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Absolutely. Then it's my joy to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now we can celebrate. It's a beautiful thing. It's why we expand campus. And, and, and we've got our fourth one to take care of, and that's Buford. Buford is next. And, and you know there's a long story in that, but, but now it's under construction. Cool things are happening. I want you to listen into what God's doing over there. Check it out. Andrew and I both come from broken homes. Our parents were both divorced several times, so we had a lot of baggage we brought into the marriage, and we did not want that for our children. Telling them we were getting divorced was probably the worst thing you could ever do. 
Someone told me about 12 Stone and said, you should try 12 Stone. I went in to the Buford campus and never left. We decided uh, after a change of heart that this marriage was worth saving and the divorce was canceled and Tripp invited me to come to 12 Stone. When I first met Tripp at the Buford campus, he showed up by himself. It was a few weeks later that he showed up with his wife, Andrea. So while we were sitting at Discover 12 Stone, they started opening up and they started talking about what was going on inside of their marriage and I knew Reengage was gonna be the next step for them. Reengage helped give us the tools to get through the bumps and I'm grateful because uh, that baggage, those generations of broken homes now ends with us. Yeah, we're very thankful for Lanier High School and 12 Stone being in Lanier High School. I mean, it, it's a mile from our house. It was just, everything was God ordained. If you remember, when, when God called us to launch in the city of Buford, it was uncertain at first. I mean, it was a rough start. We thought we had a building that fell through, but God had a plan the whole time with the city of Buford and even with the trip in Andrea Nelson. I mean, he moved us a mile away from their home in Lanier High School to have the impact we've had. And now we're anticipating moving back into the city of Buford and the impact that is going to have and the miles around that area, it's gonna be amazing. We're celebrating the fact on our 30th anniversary that a building is finally being built and God is going to use that in incredible ways to affect families, to restore them, to redeem them, that they could see the rescuing hand of Jesus. Our new building is opening this fall and it's so exciting. This could be an opportunity for another family, for another Buford family, for another marriage to be restored, for another family to be redeemed. Yeah, what a great story. And we celebrate what God does in the lives of people like Tripp and Andrea and their family and rescuing them. It really makes it kind of all worth it when we sacrifice and give financially as a church family and expand campus and, and build and great and awesome giving. A whole bunch of you are still invested in and a bunch of you who are leaders all the way through the end of May. And that's how that kind of thing goes up and opens the doors at Buford. And we have a fifth campus to go, Bethlehem. And I'll talk about that next week. See, when you, when you get rescued, God begins to transform your life and you join a bigger why, write it down. You join a bigger what? Just jot it down. You, you live for a bigger what? Now in your bulletins, you have this insert. In fact, why don't you open up your bulletins for a moment? You have a panel on the left inside and, and, it, and it gives our, our, our why and it, and it describes our what and transform people, bless, train, and send because transformation uh, just is like the river that runs through all that we do. And the three paragraphs under bless, train, and send, the what we do are so rich and deep uh, and theologically critical to, to, to rooted in who we are and what we do, that, that I, I, I want you to listen in because Jason Berry offered a, a, a brief summary of this to our staff, and I think it's so valuable, I want you to hear it. Now, it's a lot, and you can't absorb it all in, in two and a half minutes or so, but I, I still want you to just sit back and absorb it and listen in. Check it out. So transform people, bless train and send. Let's unpack these statements a little bit together. So bless, in Christ we live in God's grace. Therefore, we invite you into God's blessing to bless others. Train, in Christ we live up to God's potential for us. Therefore, we encourage you to a life of intentional growth. 
Lastly, send. In Christ, we live out God's mission. Therefore, we challenge you to go into your world and serve. Those are three simple words, three simple statements, but there's some layers of depth and sort of richness underneath the surface we want to unpack for you. We're going to do that looking at two filters. The first is the filter of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So these statements each have the Trinity sort of built in to each one. So the first role is Jesus. So we're going to look at the Son. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Each statement starts that way on purpose, acknowledging the fact that apart from Jesus, nothing else we say in these statements are possible. They can't happen apart from Jesus. The second role is the role of the Father. So the Father brings this. We live in God's grace. We live up to God's potential for us. And we live out God's mission. That's the role of the Father. The third piece is the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us and empowers us to live these things out. So the Holy Spirit would, would allow us to actually bless others because God's blessed us. The Holy Spirit would allow us to actually live out a life of intentional growth. The Holy Spirit's in us, forming us and growing us up. And lastly, the Holy Spirit empowers us to go into our world and serve. So you can see this sort of mirroring of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit throughout each of these statements. The second filter I want you to see is sort of the filter of, of the roles of, of, of people in this. So the role of God, the role of the church being 12 stone, and then your role as an individual. So the first role is the role of God. And that's simply this. In Christ, we live in God's grace. In Christ, we live up to God's potential for us. And in Christ, we live out God's mission. That's God's role in this equation. Then it's our role, which is 12 stone church, your church's role in this. And we would invite you we would encourage you, and we would challenge you. So our role as your church is to do those three things. And then lastly, there are things that only you can do, and this is, this is your role as an individual inside this. The first, it's your role to bless others. That is your role. Secondly, it's your role to live a life of intentional growth. We can't do that for you. Lastly, it is your role to go into your world and serve. So that is your piece inside of this puzzle. So that's just a quick overview of our words, bless, train and send. All right, Jason, thanks. Now, I know you can't absorb all that. Two and a half minutes of that, you're like, whoa, whoa. But I wanted you to see the richness and the depth of it. And maybe you'll go watch that again online. Maybe not. It'll be posted. It'll be available. But God will breathe life into that for you over the coming weeks and months and really over the next couple of years. So for a few moments, the rest of our time, let's unpack this idea about transform people, bless others. We put it this way in your notes. We invite you into God's blessing to bless others. We invite you into God's blessing to do what, church? Bless others. Uh, let, let me spend some time on this idea of bless. You got to work it out. And, and, and you got to figure out how does this play out in my world? But I want to start to put some facets to it. I want to challenge some of our thinking. It's a very big word in Scripture. See, God is a blessing God, which means he pours out his favor over us. And so bless is going to start taking a central place. In fact, just kind of a sidebar, if you've been a part of 12 Stone for some years, you've heard us use the words like lost, least, and leaders. And that in that, uh, those three words, lost and least and leaders, be, kind of became uh, uh, not intentionally, but more of a missional, visional words for us. Originally, when I, when I delivered those, it was really to just give context to, to how we care about and invest in and, 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 and help other people. But deep down, I never liked the word least. And I'll tell you why. It, it caught on more than I wanted it to. Uh, but, but because it has this feeling of like uh, somebody's less. 
like they're, they're a little bit diminished or in some small way unintentionally beneath you. That, that was never the intent. It's not about least. It's about people being loved. And, and that this word, therefore, becomes limiting because the truth of the matter is uh, when, when we say you, you bless someone, it, it's you bless anyone and everyone around you at any moment in time. It's not where they are economically or emotionally or, or in any other way or arena of life. And that God has something of a bigger word and a bigger vision for us. And so least is really below the size of what God wants to do among us. So the word you're going to become familiar with is the word bless. And God is a blessing God. Here's what I mean by that. You, you go over to Genesis chapter 1, and God, in the beginning, God created mankind in his own image. And when he did, it says he blessed us. Big use of the word blessed. Mankind fell into sin, and when God was in process of starting the restoration, in Genesis chapter 12, he spoke to Abraham. Check this out on the screen. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will what? Bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be what, church? Blessed through you. I mean, that's a ton of blessing stuff going on right there. Because blessing is not merely who God is it's, it, it, or what he does. It's his very nature. It's at the core of his being. He doesn't just bless. He is, by his very nature, a God of blessing. So what does it mean when he says, through you, Abraham, I'll bless all the nations of the earth? We well, don't really fully understand it until you get to Acts. After Christ has come to earth and rose from the dead and the Holy Spirit's come and the church is being launched, Acts chapter three, check it out on the screen. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, oh, here we go now. It's drawing from Genesis 12. Through your offspring, all the peoples on earth will be what, church? Blessed. And God raised up his servant. He sent him first to you to bless you. By turning each of you from your wicked way. See, one of the first ways God blesses and one of the most powerful way God, ways God blesses is by God turning you from sin and rescuing you. Listen, every time you stand at the top of the slide and you rescue someone, you invite them to church in this conversation and the faith and understanding of Jesus. You lead them to faith in Jesus. They cross over the line. Every time there's an Ashley moment of coming to faith and being baptized, that is, that is the beginning of God's great blessing. And now God's blessing, of course, goes beyond that as his favor rests on us. In fact, literally the word's bigger because David talks about it in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So we bless God. Jesus used the word blessed when he taught the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5. And he began with blessed are those. And he does this whole list of the Beatitudes. See, God is a blessing God. And so I put this way in your notes. So we are a blessing people. Hmm. Now think about that. You got to work that out. But what it means is that we mimic our Father in heaven. When like Paul, you switch teams, which means you join Jesus, you have a bigger why, you, you now join him, you become like your Father, and we become a blessing to other people. Let me keep adding to, what, 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 what does that mean, to mimic the Father? Well, it means at least this, you have to get beyond yourself. Hear me, to become a blessing to others, you have to get beyond yourself. You might want to write that down. See, you, the moment you start thinking of blessing others, you have to get beyond yourself because it's no longer about you. That's the nature and the heart of Jesus when he left heaven and came to earth. In fact, Philippians 2 describes this about Jesus and us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Huh. That means each day of your life, you engage life not thinking about yourself, not starting with yourself, but being a blessing to others, whether your family, your work, wherever you go in life. Now, let me give you a picture. This past week, guys, I hope you did well. Uh, it was Valentine's. I, I, I hope you took your Valentine out to dinner or did something. I did, but not on Valentine's because when you've been married a long time, you know better. Who cares? Go the day after Valentine's when you can actually get in the restaurant. So we went the day after Valentine's and, 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 here, and I only had one goal at the restaurant. One goal at the restaurant. To get a good meal and be well served. That was it. That's the only reason I went. I mean, I, just, I, don't, have any, I don't need anything else from you. Just give me a good meal and I want to be well served. And by the way, that was the purpose of the restaurant too. The purpose of the restaurant is that we would have a good meal and be well served. I mean, yeah, they want to make a profit, but you get the idea. So that, that both of us had the same purpose. Now, you ready? What I want to say is what was not, what was not the purpose of the restaurant. Stay with me. Pay attention. I want you to see what was not the purpose of the restaurant. It was not the purpose of the restaurant to make me a waiter. (laughs) When I showed up, that wasn't their goal. It wasn't to make me a waiter. It was just to keep me as a customer. You ready? And the purpose of the church is the opposite. The purpose of the church is to make you a waiter, (laughs) not to keep you as a customer. Ooh. Listen, part of what's broke in the American Christian church is that we are brainwashed by consumerism into believing that the church is a religious restaurant. And we show up to get a good meal and be well served. We're so brainwashed by this, we can't get our heads out of this. But to be candid, our sole purpose when you get here It's not to keep you as a customer, just to keep coming. Our goal is to actually train you to become a waiter, a waitress, to have a disposition, a spirit of blessing others. I know it would be totally weird if I keep showing up at Ted's Montana Grill as one of the places our family likes to eat, and I show up there three, after going there three months often, and I walk in and sit down, and they say, hey, 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 get, come here, Kevin, you've been here so many times, uh, we need you to get up and start being a waiter. Start taking some orders, cleaning some tables, come on, you've been here long enough. I mean, that'd be totally weird, I'd be like, I'm out of here. I get, that's weird for a restaurant, but that's totally what we're trying to do in the church. Like, like when you come, our goal is to help you become a waiter or a waitress for the kingdom of God. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to become a servant to others. You're going to become a person who's blessed by God. Because listen, we are not a reservoir of God's blessing in this world. We are a river of God's blessing to the world. God does not pour his spirit out on us for us to contain and say, oh, whoopee, all about me. But that we go out in the world and we care about other people. We pour into their lives and we become a blessing to the world. And that kind of people could cause trouble like no other people on earth. That's the kind of people that God intends us to become. Now let me just say this, a backup and say, time out. If you're spiritually unresolved and you're not a follower of Christ, you don't believe the stuff we're talking about. You don't believe the Bible's God's word. There's a bunch of you hanging around 12 stone in process. Listen, you can be a customer. (laughs) Have at it. Be a customer, walk in, walk out. We're happy to serve you. 
We used to be where you are. We used to be far from God. We don't expect you to serve. We're not trying to make you a waiter or waitress in the kingdom of God for anything. We know you're not going to give. You should. Why would you? God's not first in your life. But our goal is that you might experience what God did in Ashley's life over at Snellville and that you'd be baptized into the kingdom and be rescued. Our goal is that God might do in your life what he did for Tripp and for Andrea at Buford, and he would rescue your marriage and rescue your family. And then our goal in that is to train you to be a servant of Christ, not just inside the walls, in fact, predominantly outside the walls, that so that wherever you go, your disposition is, how could I bless someone else? It's transforming. God's a blessing God, we become a blessing people. Our goal is to train you in that. Let me just keep pushing this a little bit. So 30 years ago, we planted 12 stone. It didn't matter where I went in the community. Nobody knew me. <laughs> it's a little different these days after 30 years and having reached some people. And, and so I tend to be uh, more known uh, than I was way back in the day. So I know when I go to a restaurant, there's people that I, we just, I'm always on. I'm always what? I just, listen, I know, listen, I know I'm always on. People are always watching. I can tell when people are watching. I mean, I don't know them. They go to another campus. I've, I've never met them, but they, and you can just tell, and my family knows, and so we go to the mall, or we go to the store, or we go wherever we are in the community or, uh, from time to time, and we know all the time we're on. In fact, I've had people say to me, I hate to be a pastor. I would hate to be always on. And I'm like, well, what's the big deal? It's not like I turn my Christianity on and off. But while I'm at it, Am I really the only one that's supposed to be always on? <laughs> I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, aren't you always on? Can't hear you. I mean, you don't turn your Christianity on for Sunday and then turn it off during the week. Oh, good, I'm at work. Turn it off. Go live like hell. Well, I don't think I can say that. But... <laughs> You know, it's Saturday night, I get to do whatever I want, but Sunday, I'll turn on my... You don't turn it on and off, do you? I mean, aren't you supposed to be... If you're a follower of Christ, aren't you always on? Tell your neighbor, always on. Just say, just say your neighbor, just always on. See, we're to be a blessing. This 30th anniversary conversation is not some casual uh, fill-in-the-blank, oh, man, but, but listen... Every time you leave your house, you're on a missions trip. That's why we live sent. That's the whole point of the conversation. By the way, I was studying this over the past year, the word blessing, and God has just opened it up. And I saw something I've never seen before in Scripture, a discovery. What was broke in Judas? If you know the story, Judas was called to be a, a, a disciple of Christ. He was one of the twelve. And yet something was always wrong. It was never quite right. And Judas never really joined Jesus' agenda, but he was always a disciple of Jesus. And then eventually he betrayed Jesus. And then he committed suicide. And then in Acts chapter 1, when the church is being launched, prior to that kind of upper room, Peter says we need to replace Judas. And then he quotes prophecy from Psalm 109. In which case, you would never have known that Psalm 109 is about the betrayer of the Messiah, Jesus. In fact, when it was written in Psalm 109, you didn't know who the Messiah was and you didn't know who the betrayer was. But now that we know, you can go back and read Psalm 109 and there's an insight. Listen, stay with me. An insight into Judas. 
Maybe Psalm 109.17 was telling us something about the heart of Judas. Here's what it said. He found no pleasure in blessing. That makes so much sense. That Judas found no pleasure in blessing. Judas never got beyond himself. Always claiming to be a follower of Jesus. Always hanging around Jesus, but never getting beyond himself. He was the treasure, but always snuck the money for himself. He didn't like it when other people would bless Jesus and pour anointing perfumed oil over his feet. He never did get on Jesus' agenda. And yet, what does it say about God, Jesus? Oh, God, they may curse. Other people, they may curse, but you will bless because it's our Father's nature. Here's where I wrote my own notes. I am more like Jesus when I bless others and more like Judas when I find no pleasure in blessing. In other words, men and women daily ask yourself, how can I bless someone else? And that begins at home. You wake up in the morning, how can I bless someone in my family? You go to work, how can I bless someone at work? This will transform your marriage and your family. This will transform your work among co-workers. You, your just disposition in life is generally, I'm a waiter, I'm a waitress. I serve the kingdom of God, and everywhere I go, I take the blessings of God in my life, and, and whether I do it through an encouraging word or through being kind or through buying somebody's coffee, I don't care whatever it is, how practical it gets, I go bless. My, my goal, my job, I'm just, I'm trying to bless somebody else. I'm telling you, go work this stuff out. And some of you want to be on the front edge of pioneering this. We talked last week about pioneering <laughs> This whole 2018 live sent. And some of you, I told you last week, I'd tell you how to join in. And, and you're going to want to know, how do I witness for Christ? How do I know it's a God prompt? And how do I bless others? How do I deal with complex faith questions? How do I use my unique personality, gift, and story? Give me training in this, where we're going to. So we're going to have a pioneer group that we train early. And that's going to be kind of the test pilot. So that over the next two, three months, we walk through this with a pioneer group. And then next fall, we, we open the door for all of 12 Stone. And God's going to do some cool stuff as we deconstruct and reconstruct training. If you want to be a part of the pioneers, and for some of you, are like, oh, i got to be in on the pioneers. Then look at the bottom of the teaching notes and you'll see how to sign up 12stone.com slash pioneer so you can do that and we'll keep you informed but I say all that to say this listen we've always been a church who at our core and our heart want to bless a year ago we were praying and deciding as leadership saying you know what for our 30th anniversary let's take all the money it would take to go throw a party for us at a different location and let's go spend that money on blessing somebody else that's why it was better for us, we thought, to just go have a day like last weekend together and enjoy it and have a wonderful time. But let's put the resources into go blessing somebody else. And one of the ways we wanted to bless, I mean, we did it at Christmas with the shoeboxes, but one of the ways we wanted to bless is coaches. We came to the conclusion that one of the groups that puts out so much and maybe is not given uh, equal pouring in would be coaches who pour into our kids and into our students and, and, and they're all over this territory and we thought, you know what, maybe that's an overlooked group. Maybe, maybe we could pour leadership into coaches who pour into our kids. And we've been talking about a year for a year. Well, it's coming up this Saturday, February 24th and we're providing this as a church. We're all together underwriting this. We're making this possible and we want to bless their socks off. I don't even know what that means entirely but I always like that thought, bless 
their socks off. So I'm not saying, so I'm so blessed. I lost my socks. Anyhow, it's just weird, no, whole, whole other place. And so, so we're going to bring in Ernie Johnson. We're going to bring in Dan Quinn. And we're going to bring in John Maxwell, something they could never do for themselves. And, and we're going to bring them in. We're going to pour leadership into them and encourage them and bless them. We're going to give them a swag bag with books and stuff and, and, and things like they, they would never spend on their own. And, and then we said, let's do better than that. Let's not make them come alone. They can bring their spouse. So we made room and we moved it to, to this campus here at Central. And then we said, oh, they don't need babysitters. We'll take care of their kids and we'll make it an exceptional experience for their kids. Let's just do the whole thing so that coaches in the area are blessed and they have a sense of, you know what? I think they serve a blessing God because of the way they're blessing us. And by the way, hey, if you're a coach, you're invited in. Get online. Coaches Leadership Network. You get online, you can sign up. Now, it, it, it's complimentary, but you got to have a ticket, so you sign up. If you have coaches of your kids or students, man, text them this week. Tell them this is their fine chance. We have some 2,000 people already signed up, but we'll fill the place. We'll, we'll just make it a wonderful experience for them. Isn't that fun? What we get to do as a church to bless others. See, it's in our core. It's in our DNA because it's in God. Now, as I turn the service over to the campus, pastors, will you accept the challenge? I mean, live for a bigger why. Live for God's bigger what. Join Jesus. And just, just, maybe, just maybe say, you know what? I, I'm here to become a waiter or a waitress. A spirit of blessing. So that every day of your life, when you get up and walk out into the world, you say, how can I bless someone else? Let me pray for you. Father, I want to pray for us. We are so grateful to you. There's no God like you. No one loves us like you. No one blesses us like you. No one's able to. And so we say back to you, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that is within me, bless your holy name. And then you call us to be a river, not a reservoir of your blessing, but a river. God, right now, some of us are just going to join in whispering the prayer to you. All the more, make me a waiter or a waitress for your kingdom to this world. All the more, God. All the more. Help me get beyond myself. Maybe this is the secret to transforming even my marriage and my family. Maybe this is the secret to things turning around at my job. Maybe this is the secret to, to, to what's so lost and broken and empty in my life. God, I think it is. Would you make us a people that bless others? Would you make us individually persons that go out into this world and bless others? Would you help us to live sent? I have a sense, God, if we would join you more fully in this and you would deepen and transform us in this way, that we would cause trouble for good like no place on earth. Do this, we pray, for your glory in Christ's name. And everyone agreed saying, amen.